Chapter 8 The Glorious Gospel by T. DeWitt Talmadge According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. 1 Timothy 1, verse 11 The greatest novelty of our time is the gospel. It is so old that it is new. As potters and artists are now attempting to fashion pictures and cups and unique items like those of 1900 years ago, recently brought up from buried Pompeii, and such cups and pitchers and unique items are universally admired. So anyone who can uncover the real gospel from the mountains of stuff under which it has been buried will be able to present something that will attract the gaze, admiration, and adoption of all the people. Amazing substitutes have been presented for what my text calls the glorious gospel. There are many people in this and all other large assemblies who have no more idea of what the gospel really is than they have of what is contained in the fourteenth chapter of Zend of Vesta of the Hindu scriptures. There is no philosophy about it. It is a plain matter of Bible statement and of childlike faith. The ablest theological professor is a Christian mother who, out of her own experience, can tell the four-year-old how beautiful Christ was on earth, how beautiful he now is in heaven, and how dearly he loves little children. Then she kneels down and puts one arm around the boy, and with her somewhat faded cheek against the rosy cheek of the little one, consecrates him for time and eternity to him who said, Suffer little children to come unto me. Luke 18, verse 16. There sits the dear old theologian with his table piled up with all the great books on inspiration, exegesis, and apologetics for the Almighty. His little grandchild comes up to him for a goodnight kiss, and he accidentally knocks off the biggest book from the table which falls on the head of the child, of whom Christ himself said, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. Matthew 21, verse 16. Ah, uh, my friends, the Bible needs no apologetics. The throne of the last judgment needs no apologetics. Eternity needs no apologetics. Scientists may tell us that natural light is the propagation of undulations in an elastic medium, and thus set in vibratory motion by the act of luminous bodies. But no one knows what gospel light is until his own blind eyes, by the touch of the divine spirit, have opened to see the noonday of pardon and peace. Scientists may tell us that natural sound is the effect of an impression made on the organs of hearing by an impulse of the air, caused by a collision of bodies or by other means. But those only know what the gospel sound is who have heard the voice of Christ directly, saying, Thy sins are forgiven, thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace. Luke 7, verse 48 and 50. Regeneration, not reform. Some people think that they can save the world by law and exposure of crime. From Portland, Maine, across to San Francisco, and back again to New Orleans and Savannah, many have gone into the detective business. By all means, that is worldly reform, 
but unless it is also gospel reform, it will be a dead failure. In New York, its main work has been to give us a change of leaders. We had a Democratic leader, and now it is to be a Republican leader. But the quarrel is who the Republican will be. Politics will never save the cities. No reform will be successful and effective that does not begin with the heart. Scripture A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments, and do them. And ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Ezekiel 36, verses 26-28 through 28. Another class of people cover up the gospel with the theory that it makes no final difference what you believe or how you act. They say that everyone will go to heaven anyway. There they sit, side by side in heaven, Garfield and Guiteau who shot him, Lincoln and John Wilkes Booth who assassinated him, Washington and Thomas Paine who slandered him, Nana Sahib and the missionaries whom he clubbed to death at Kanpur, Herod and the children whom he massacred, Paul and Nero who beheaded him. As a result of the promotion of such a mixed and blended heaven, there are millions of people in Christendom who expect to go straight to heaven from their immorality, drunkenness, and suicides, when among the loudest thunders that break over the basaltic island to which the Apostle John was expatriated was the one in which God announced that the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their place in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 21, verse 8. If the glorious gospel had been given full opportunity, I think that before this time the world would have had no need of pulpit, sermon, prayer, or church. But thanksgiving and hosannas would have resounded in the temple to which the mountains would have been pillars, the blue skies, the dome, the rivers, the baptistry, and all nations, the worshippers, and the auditorium of the outspread world. But so far from that, as I remarked in the opening sentence of this sermon, the greatest novelty of our time is the gospel. When the glorious gospel of the blessed God, as spoken of in my text, gets full swing, it will have a momentum and a power mightier than that of the Atlantic Ocean when, under the force of the September equinox, it strikes the highlands of the Navesink. Glorious Good News The meaning of the word gospel is good news, and my text says it is glorious good news. Therefore we must tell it in our churches, over our dry goods counters, in our factories, over our threshing machines, behind our plows, on our ship's decks, and in our homes, our nurseries, and our kitchens, as though it were glorious good news, and not with a boring tone in our voice, and a dismal look on our faces, as though Christianity were a rheumatic ache, a dyspeptic pain, a malarial chill, or an attack of nervous weakness. Christ began his Sermon on the Mount with nine blessed, or happies. Blessed are the poor, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek, 
Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And blessed are ye when men shall revile you. Matthew 5, verses 3 through 11. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Happy, happy, happy. The gospel is glorious good news for the young, since through Christ they may have their coming years honored, and for a lifetime all the angels of God are to be their helpers, and all the armies of heaven their allies. The gospel is glorious good news for the middle aged, since through Christ they may have their perplexities disentangled, their courage rallied, and their victory over all obstacles and hindrances made forever sure. This is glorious good news for the aged, since they may have the sympathy of him of whom the Apostle John wrote, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. Revelation 1 verse 14 And the defense of the everlasting arms. The gospel is glorious good news for the dying, since they may have ministering spirits to escort them, opening gates to receive them a scope of eternal glories to encircle them, and the welcome of a loving God to embrace them. Oh, my text is right when it speaks of the glorious gospel. It is an invitation from the most radiant being who ever walked the earth or ascended the heavens. It is an invitation to you and me to come and be made happy, and then after that to take a royal castle for an everlasting residence with the angels of God as our cupbearers. Scripture, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 29. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. John 14, verses 1 through 3. The Price of Forgiveness The price was paid for all of this on the cliff of limestone which is about seven minutes' walk from the wall of Jerusalem, where, with an agony that with one hand tore down the rocks, and with the other drew a midnight blackness over the heavens, our Lord set us forever free. Making no apology for any one of the million sins of our lives, but confessing all of them, we can point to that cliff of limestone and say, There was paid our indebtedness and God never collects a bill twice. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, verse 1. Being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Romans 5, verse 9. I am glad that all the Christian poets have exerted their pen in praising the matchless one of this gospel. Isaac Watts, how do you feel about him? He writes, I am not ashamed to own my Lord. John Newton, what do you think of this gospel? He writes, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. William Cowper, what do you think of him? The answer comes, There is a fountain filled with blood, 
Charles Wesley, what do you think of him? He answers, Jesus, lover of my soul. Horatius Bonar, what do you think of him? He responds, I lay my sins on Jesus. Ray Palmer, what do you think of him? He writes, My faith looks up to thee. Fanny Crosby, what do you think of him? She writes, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. However, I still take higher testimony. Solomon, what do you think of him? The answer is, Lily of the Valleys, Song of Solomon 2, verse 1. Ezekiel, what do you think of him? The answer is, Plant of Renown, Ezekiel 34, verse 29. David, what do you think of him? He answers, My shepherd, Psalm 23, verse 1. John, what do you think of him? The answer is, Bright and Morning Star, Revelation 22, verse 16. Paul, what do you think of him? The answer comes, Christ is all and in all, Colossians 3, verse 11. O man, O woman, of the blood-bought immortal spirit, do you think the same way of him? Yes, Paul was right when he called it the glorious gospel. A pharmacist, while you are waiting for him to make up the doctor's prescription, puts into a bottle so many grains of this, so many grains of that, and so many drops of this, and so many drops of that, and when the mixture is taken, although sour or bitter, it restores to health. In the same way, Christ, the divine physician, prepares this trouble of our lifetime, and that disappointment, and this persecution, and that hardship, and that tear, and we must take the mixture, even though it may be bitter. Under the divine prescription, it administers to our restoration and spiritual health. For all things work together for good. Romans 8 verse 28. Glorious Gospel. Then there is the royal castle into which we step out of this life without so much as soiling our foot with the upturned earth of the grave. They shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 22, verse 5. Does not that mean that if you are saved, you are to be kings and queens? And do not kings and queens have castles? But the one that you are offered was, for thirty-three years, an abandoned castle though now gloriously inhabited. There is an abandoned royal castle at Amber, India. One hundred and seventy years ago a king moved out of it, never to return. But the castle, an indescribable splendor, still stands. You go through bold doorway after bold doorway, and carved room after carved room, and under embellished ceiling after embellished ceiling and through precious stoned halls into wider precious stoned halls. On that hill are pavilions that are deeply dyed, tasseled and arched. The fire of colored gardens is cooled by the snow of white architecture. There are birds in ornamental work so natural to life that while you cannot hear their voices, you imagine you see the flutter of their wings while you are passing. There are walls pictured with triumphal procession, rooms that are called alcove of light and hall of victory, that are marble, white and black, like a mixture of morning and night, 
as well as alabaster and mother-of-pearl and lacquer work. Standing before this castle, the eye climbs from step to latticed balcony, and from latticed balcony to oriel window, and from oriel window to arch, and from arch to roof, and then descends on ladders of all colors, and by stairs of perfect lines and on to tropical gardens of pomegranates and pineapples. There are seven stories of resplendent architecture. But the royal castle provided for you, if you will only take it on prescribed terms, is grander than all that. And although it was an abandoned castle while Christ was here achieving your redemption, it is again occupied by the chiefest among ten thousand. Song of Solomon 5 verse 10 And some of your own kindred who have gone up and are waiting for you are leaning from the balcony. The windows on that castle look out on the king's gardens where immortals walk linked in eternal friendship. The banqueting hall of that castle has princes and princesses at the table. The wine is the new wine of the kingdom. Matthew 26 verse 29 And the supper is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19, verse 9. There are fountains into which no tear ever fell, and there is music that trembles with no grief. The light that falls upon that scene is never dim, and there is the kiss of those reunited after long separation. We will have more vigor there than now, or would we faint away under the delight? We will have stronger vision there than now, or our eyesight would be blinded by the brilliance. We will have stronger ears there than now, or under the boom of that singing, the thunder of the hosannas, and the rumble of those hallelujahs, we would be deafened. Glorious gospel, you thought Christianity was a straitjacket, that it limited you, and that thereafter you must be oppressed. No, 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 it is to place you in a castle. By the cleansing power of the shed blood of Golgotha, set your faces toward the shining pinnacles. Oh, it does not matter much what becomes of us here, for at the longest our stay is short. If we can only end up there. There are so many I do want to meet there. Joshua, my favorite prophet. John among the evangelists. Paul among the apostles. John Wycliffe among the martyrs. Bordeloup among the preachers. Dante among the poets, Havelock among the heroes, and our loved ones whom we have so much missed since they left us. There are so many dear to the heart, and their absence is sometimes almost unbearable. Most of all, leaving this for the end because I want the thought utmost in our thoughts, I want to see our blessed Lord, without whom we could never reach the old castle at all. He took our place. He purchased our ransom, he wept our woes, he suffered our stripes, he died our death. He assured our resurrection, blessed be his glorious name forever. All the anthems will be surging toward his ear, all the honor will be for him. Oh, I want to see it, and I will see it, the day of his coronation. He is on a throne already. I think the day will come when in some great hall of eternity all the nations of earth whom he has conquered by his grace will assemble again to crown him in the great audience room of heaven. Wide and high and immense and adorned as with the sunrises and sunsets of a thousand years, 
like the leaves of an Adirondack forest, the ransomed multitudes with Christ standing on a high place surrounded by worshippers and subjects will come out of the farthest past led on by the prophets. They will come out of the early gospel days led on by the apostles. They will come out of the centuries still ahead of us led on by champions of the truth, heroes and heroines yet to be born. Then from that vastest audience ever assembled in all the universe, there will go up the shout, Crown him! Crown him! Crown him! The father who long ago promised this to his only begotten son, I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Psalm 2 verse 8 will set the crown upon the forehead still scarred with the crucifixion thorns. All the hosts of heaven, on the ground level and up in the galleries, will drop on their knees crying, Hail, King of earth, King of heaven, King of saints, King of seraphs, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and to thy dominions there shall be no end. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Eternity. I ask you, where will you spend eternity? Oh, prepare for it. Do not put it off until the last hour. Do not wait until you get sick. You may never be sick. Do not leave it until you get more time. You may never get more time. Do not procrastinate until you get old. You may never get old. Do not wait until tomorrow. This night your soul may be required of you. Luke 12, verse 20. Suppose that in that moment you would say, Wait until I kneel down and say my prayers. Death would respond, You do not have time now to say your prayers. Wait until I get my friends together and can tell them goodbye. Death would say, You cannot stop to tell them goodbye. But I cannot go into eternity with all these sins about me. Give me time to repent. Death would say, It is too late to repent. Your soul is required of you this hour, this minute, this second. Oh, by the cross of Christ, repent. Bow your head this moment and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Luke 18, verse 38. In Christ you are safe. Out of him you perish. <laughs>